Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4. Got a lot of stuff going on today. We're about to take a vote. Um, Two weeks ago, in our quarterly business meeting on Sunday night, a motion was made and passed by the church that we set up a committee for the purpose of studying the possibility of swapping our traditional and contemporary worship service times. Uh, And so the church voted to set up that committee and the nominating committee chaired by Kelly Creel, has nominated five people to serve on this committee. And this morning, in both services, we will vote on these nominees. There are two people from the contemporary service, two people from the traditional service, and there's one person who attends the contemporary service, but who sings in the choir for the traditional service. So we have about as balanced a committee of nominees as you could possibly get. Here are the nominees, okay? From the contemporary service, you have uh, Mike Hill, who will also serve as the chair if elected, and Raquel Miller. Attending the contemporary service, but singing in the choir for the traditional service, is Sherry Carter. And then from the traditional service, Miss Sarah Russell and Richard Grace. So you have Mike Hill, Raquel Miller, Sherry Carter, Sarah Russell, and Richard Grace. All right, these nominees come as a recommendation from our full nominating committee. And so they do not require a second, because it is assumed if they come from the committee, you already have several seconds, okay? So, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to vote up or down on these nominees. Are you ready? Hello? All right, if you are in favor of Mike Hill... Raquel Miller, Sherry Carter, Sarah Russell, and Richard Grace serving on this uh, special committee to study the possibility of swapping our worship service schedules. Raise your right hand. Raise your right hand high. Thank you. You may put it down. If you're opposed, raise your right hand high. All right. And insofar as this service is concerned, the motion is carried. We will have the same vote in the traditional service. Let me also mention to you that today at 4 o'clock, we will have our third and final training session for the PBC home groups. If you are a potential host or a potential leader facilitator, we need you in that meeting. Very, very important third and final meeting. Our PBC home groups will kick off on Sunday night, September the 8th. I hope all of the adults in the room today received a flyer letting you know where the different groups, there are three to begin with. We were going to start with five, but we ended up starting with three. You'll see the names on those, uh, the names of the hosts and the co-leaders on that flyer. And if you're able to, I, I really hope that you'll identify the group that is closest to you in location and that you will give that group a try beginning Sunday night, September the 8th. We'll still have Sunday night service, but uh, if you 
would prefer being a part of that small group, PBC home group. I hope that you will do that. We're also going to have a deacon ordination tonight at 6 o'clock. John Hughes will be ordained to be our newest ordained deacon in our deacon body. John and Heather and Alex and Andy uh, normally attend our uh, traditional service. Sometimes they're in this service. Uh, But John will be ordained tonight. If you are an ordained deacon or minister, we will meet at 5 o'clock in the education wing to have an examination slash encouragement time with John. Okay? So, uh, please remember that, and I hope that you can come and be on hand. Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 18 verses of Colossians chapter 4. This is our final uh, message from a series from Colossians entitled, Above All Else. The theme of Colossians is Jesus above all else. And this morning's message is entitled, Finish What You Started. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will, be, they will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what we've read is more important than anything we're about to say. We also realize that we are a part of something that will always be, and certainly is now, far bigger than we are. To be invited to participate 
in this thing that you are doing is the greatest honor of our lifetimes. Help us, Lord, to recognize the role to which you have called us in what you're doing. And help us to be faithful to complete the tasks that you have called us to complete. Lord, we thank you for meeting us here. And as we come to you, we pray for people we care about, Summer Johnson. Lord, I pray for Summer, for her mom and dad, Lee and Rhonda, as they care for her after getting hit by that line drive. Lord, we pray for Gene Vinings, who's been in the hospital this week, for Fred Hurley, who's really had some difficult surgeries this week at Emory and is in the intensive care unit this morning. For Charlie, for Clyde, for Ed, for Dot, for Bonnie Wooten, for Mike Laster, for Sarah Peake, for Merrill Jenkins, for our church. We lift these up to you, realizing that you care about all of them far more than we will ever be able to care for any one of them, and that's a whole lot. So thank you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Being a preacher, I like to listen to good preaching. Now, I'm like you, I guess. Uh, The last thing I want to do is listen to bad preaching. And I've heard some. I've listened to my own sermons. I've heard some bad preaching, so I know what you're going through. But I like hearing good preaching. And looking back through the history of Christianity, there are some preachers I would love to have heard. I mean, who wouldn't have loved to sit on the hillside and listen to Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount? The best communicator, the best preacher, the best person who ever lived. I would love to have at least been a fly on the trunk of an oak tree on the side of that hill when he preached. I would love to have heard John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. I would love to have heard uh, Charles Spurgeon, the uh, highly predestinarian Baptist of England. I would love to have heard Jonathan Edwards, I think, although because he was nearsighted, he would hold his manuscripts, and he preached from a manuscript right up close to his eyes, and he's preached in a monotone for an hour and a half, I think I would like to have heard Jonathan Edwards, but then again, I don't know. I'd love to have heard Billy Sunday. He was before my time. And uh, Charles Finney, the lawyer who was saved out in the woods one day and started preaching from then on. He's the one who came up with the term mourner's bench. Before that, there was no such thing as, as altar calls and mourner's benches. Charles Finney is the one who started that. I think I would love to have heard Daniel Stearns, who was along with, uh, I mean, Daniel Marshall, who along with his uh, relative Shubal Stearns were the first Baptist preachers in the state of Georgia back in the 1700s. Uh, I'm told that Daniel Marshall was the first person who, who preached in a way that we have come to call derisively jack-leg preaching. 
I mean, when a preacher is called a jackleg preacher today, it's usually a derisive term. When Daniel Marshall preached, he was the first one, uh, more than likely, of the circuit rider preachers who would preach with an and uh, kind of a suck and blow type sermon delivery, like what I was raised with. But he would also, he was one of the first who would grab his leg and he would, and every time he would preach, he would, he would get in a, a routine, a rhythm, and, and with his rhythm, he would, he would pull up his right leg. I'm telling you, uh, we need uh, to look around uh, and see if uh, we can uh, find somebody. Uh, yeah. I think I'd like to have heard Daniel Marshall preach, Jack Leg Preacher. I used to think that I would love to have heard Paul preach. I'm second-guessing that now, uh, and I'll tell you why. Paul had a habit in his preaching of calling people out by name. And I don't think I'd have been comfortable with that. I'm not talking about calling people out for complimenting them, although he did do that. But if if Paul knew something about a person that was negative, that was uh, ungodly, or that was just flat out wrong, when he preached, he would call them out by name, and he'd tell them to fix it. I mean, in no uncertain terms, he sugarcoated nothing. And I just don't believe that I'd be comfortable with that if I were sitting in the pew. So I guess if I wanted to hear Paul, I'd have to to do it with an MP3 audio recording. That way I wouldn't have to be in the congregation when he called me out, because just as sure as I was in a congregation listening to Paul preach, he would be aware someone, some sorry Baptist somewhere would have told him something that I'm doing wrong, and I'd be sitting right there and he'd say, by the way, Jimmy Orr, You need to get right with God. And I would have been very uncomfortable with that. Not that as a preacher I haven't wanted to do that, mind you. About every other Sunday here at Palmetto Baptist, there there are a few people I'd love to call out by name. But that has never worked very well for me. Uh, I've never gotten very far. It's always kind of been a, a, a jeopardy of my job security to call people out by name. So at times, instead of calling people out by name, I, I, you know, I have even tried this. I, I'll just throw out a, a uh, description of something that's going on, and surely the person who needed to hear that would have known it without me calling it. Listen, that hasn't gotten me in good shape either. So I've kind of just stopped doing that, and, and I, you know, just trying to put myself in your place, I'm assuming you wouldn't like for me to do that, and I wouldn't have liked for Paul to do that to me, and so... I think I would not have liked it if I had been listening to Paul preach. He'd call my name out. And that's what he did in one of the verses in Colossians chapter 4. He does it in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. And he he calls out a man in that congregation whose name is Archippus. And here's what he says in verse 17. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Now that might not seem like a whole lot to us until you consider that the Apostle Paul wrote letters that were intended to be read in front of the congregation. 
These weren't private closed letters. These were letters that he had written that were meant for somebody to stand up in front of a congregation like this, probably not quite this large, and they were designed to be read in front of the congregation. So imagine that you're in the congregation and your name is Archippus and you have never seen, like anybody else in your congregation except for the the lead uh, pastor maybe, you haven't seen this letter, you haven't read this letter, and as it is being read, you hear your name being called in the letter by the Apostle Paul saying, see to it, Archippus, that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Would you like it? Would you like that? Would you like being singled out in that way? Now, if this were the only time that the Apostle Paul did this, that would be another matter. But the fact of the matter is, he, he's done it other times too. That's why I would not want to hear him preach. He did it in his letter to the Philippian church, the church at Philippi. In chapter 4, verse 2, Paul singled out two women in the church who were fighting. Now, I'll guarantee you, that'll get you fired in a heartbeat right there. You go to calling out women, it's one thing to call out a man named Archippus, but you go calling out women, you better have your resume in about 50 different places. Because you're on your way out, brother. Here's what he says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche. I mean, just their names tell you you don't mess with those women. To agree with each other in the Lord. He just singled them out by name to be embarrassed in front of the whole Philippian church. What's more, in the case of Archippus, Paul didn't have to single him out. He didn't have to do it. Preachers don't have to do that. There were other people to whom Paul had some words to say, but he spoke to them in private letters which I think would be a whole lot more appropriate way of singling somebody out. If he had something to say to Timothy, what did he do? He, he wrote a letter personally to Timothy. In fact, we have two of them that Paul wrote to him, recorded in the Scriptures. If he had something to say to his friend Titus, what did Paul do? Did he write a letter to the church at Crete? No, he wrote a letter to Titus, talking to him privately. That's the way to handle stuff, isn't it? Privately? So Paul didn't have to single Archippus out in this public letter, this open letter for everybody to see and for everybody to hear. When Paul wrote to Philemon, Philemon was another member of the church at Colossae, just like Archippus. Philemon was a member of the church who owned slaves. And Paul wrote a small letter to Philemon, asking him to take back Onesimus, who was a runaway slave that Philemon owned, but had run away and went to Paul. And Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon, and he asked Philemon to take him back. But he wrote it in a personal letter. I mean, he could have called Philemon out in this public letter to the Colossians. They were sent when Tychicus went with the letter to the Colossians. He also had in his backpack the letter to Philemon. He had them together. So Paul didn't have to single Archippus out. He could have written a personal letter, private letter, avoided singling Archippus out. But that's not what he did. This is not the only time, by the way, that Paul mentions Archippus by name. 
when he says to him, see to it that you complete the work that you've received from the Lord. Paul actually mentions Archippus in that letter to Philemon. Here's what he says in Philemon chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus. What does he say about Archippus here? Our fellow soldier. Well, I would imagine that Archippus probably liked that. But here again, this is in a private letter. Why didn't Paul call him a fellow soldier in that big letter to the Colossians that was read in front of the whole church? Paul didn't say that then. He said, you're a fellow soldier, but he said that in a private letter. For the public, he told him that he was not following through on what God had told him to do. Now, what if you were Archippus? What would you do? I know what some of you would do. I mean, before Paul would get the full sentence out of his mouth, you'd already be thinking, there's another church down the road, and I'm a-going to it. There's another preacher down the road, and I'm a-going to him. I know you would, because we've had about 4,000 people to do that to us before. Things don't quite work out, and what do they do? They go to the next church. Now, you couldn't do that in Paul's day. I mean, if you got mad at him, you could run, up, run him off, but, but that didn't matter to Paul. Paul, if you run him off, he just went down the street and started his own church. He never went where somebody else had started a church. He wouldn't do that. He went and started his own churches. So that wouldn't bother Paul. The problem for Archippus was there weren't any other churches in Colossae but that one church. Listen, if there's only one show in town and there are not any other shows in the town, where are you going to leave and go to? Unless maybe you start your own church, but Archippus didn't know how to do that. I know one thing, I wouldn't like it. I don't know why Paul chose to single out Archippus the way he did, but I know know two things for sure. One... Paul got Archippus' attention. And number two, Archippus needed to hear what Paul had to say to him. I think that a lot of times is the problem with those of us who, who will sit in the pew. And I've sat in the pew before and listened to people preach. And if, if they say something that really, really just kind of is a little, from my vantage point, a little too sharp, what I fail to hear is, in my embarrassment, what I fail to hear is, This person said something I need to hear. And I can be offended by it. I cannot like it. But sometimes my uh, being offended and my dislike of it and my embarrassment clouds the fact that there was something in what was said that I need to hear. So what do you suppose was Archippus' problem? Complete the work you've received of the Lord. I grew up on uh, a little three-acre farm. It was a poultry farm we grew up on in uh, South Forsyth County. We'd raised 20,000 chickens in the poultry farm. And my dad had a fruit orchard, had several Georgia Bell peach trees, and he had some uh, uh, little dwarf apple trees. And then he had one pear tree. And it grew tall. It was probably taller than the apple trees or the peach trees 
And that tree would, it, it, it was tall. And I never, free, I can see it in my mind now. I could, I could look from my bedroom window down at the back of, of our fruit orchard and that pear tree would stand really high. And at the top of that pear tree, there were two, count them, two pears. Year in and year out, there were two pears on that tree. And that's it. And they were too high for us to get. Now that pear tree is designed by God to bear pears. Not just two. Bukus of twos. But every year, it would only bear two pears. The apple trees, they'd be loaded down. The peach trees, they'd be so loaded down that they'd get rotten. The uh, blueberries, the blackberries, the scuppernongs, all of those would be loaded down. That pear tree, two pears. It never quite completed what it was designed to do. Somebody told us one day that what we really needed, told my dad, said, what you need is a pollinator tree that you plant and it blooms and the pear tree blooms and the bees cross-pollinate those blooms and that will give you more pears. That may have been true. We never did try that. And I don't know why dad didn't try it. But if that were true, why did it even why did it bear two, two pairs to begin with? If you had to have a pollinator, why would it even produce the two pairs that it did? And if, and if it is going to produce pairs, why did it put them way up there at the top? Why couldn't it put them down at the bottom? When I think of Archippus, I think about that old pear tree that Dad had. Also reminds me of Jesus one day. You remember it? A weird thing Jesus did. He's on his way back from Jerusalem with the disciples and he passes by a fig tree on the road. Matthew 21 verses 18 and 19 says, Early in the morning as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Think about that pear tree. When I was in the 10th grade, I took American history with a teacher by the name of Miss Ann Martin. She had really long brown hair. She was a huge woman. I mean, a huge woman. I don't know how many of you remember the band during the 70s from Atlanta, the Atlanta Rhythm Section, but they had a bass player named Paul Goddard who was a huge man, and he was the spitting image in male form of Miss Ann Martin, my American history teacher. Now, Miss Ann Martin had a particular way of teaching her class. She'd pull out her chalk, and she had a, a, a blackboard. It was black, not green. It went all the way across the side of the, of the classroom, and she would just take her notes, and she would start writing. She'd start on this side and she would fill up the entire side of the blackboard with her notes. And if you were a student, you had to write down those notes. And she was very speedy on the blackboard. She had, she had uh, turned chalkboard writing into an art. She could do it with rapid fire speed. She'd fill up the board, every nook and cranny of it. And then she'd go over here to the other side and she'd fill it up. And as soon as she did that, she'd take her eraser to the front part of the board and she would erase what she had originally put up there. So you had to be quick and, and write down what she said. It was, a, it was not American history. It was Writer's Cramp 101. That's what it was. But when she would take the, the eraser, this, this drove me crazy. 
she would take her eraser, and when she would erase the other side of the board, she wouldn't erase all of the chalk off the board. She left these different little marks there, and then she'd start writing over all that again. And that just drove me crazy. I kept wanting to jump up there and erase the rest of the board, but you didn't do that with Miss Ann Martin. She'd kill you. She'd make you a part of American history. It drove me crazy that she wouldn't finish erasing the board. I think about Archippus when I think about Miss Ann Martin. Miss Ann Martin. When I think about Archippus, I think about the pear tree that didn't finish producing fruit. I think about Miss Ann Martin who didn't erase all of her board. And I wonder what it was that Paul was saying to Archippus. Finish the work, God, that you've received from the Lord. There's something he failed to complete. You know what it was? You know what it was? Anybody? I don't either. Paul didn't say. And I'm kind of glad that he left it open. Because the fact that Paul left open whatever it was that Archippus had, fa- had failed to follow through on, it leaves it open also for us to hear the same message. Because throughout this congregation and up here on this platform, there are people to whom God has given responsibilities, and you and I have not fallen through, followed through on them. Are you an Archippus? Is there something that God has called you to do that you've not followed through on? Maybe followed through on coming to know Christ. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you invited Him into your life? Have you started that relationship? Have you followed through? Have you followed through in baptism? You've been saved, but have you been baptized? Have you followed through on joining the church? You say, well, that's not important to me. It was important to the Lord. He gave His life for the church. And you don't even care enough about it to join it? Really? Have you followed through on a call to ministry? God is calling you to do something and you've just been kind of putting it off day after day, week after week, month after month, now year after year? Is there something that God is calling you to stop doing and you keep putting that off? You've said, well, I'm thinking about it. I know I should, but I haven't done it. You haven't followed through with that. What about attending Bible study? Those of you who only attend worship here, can I just talk with you for a minute? Those of you who only attend worship, you're not in Bible study, you're not in a small group, you're not in anything else we do except for worship. Can I just say this to you? Nine of your ten toes are on the way out. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're not connected to a small group in this church, you are just barely hanging in here. You need to get glued here. Have you followed through in your giving? Well, I don't believe in giving. Well, you need to start believing. Your giving is the most concrete, measurable, quantifiable indicator of where you are in your relationship with Christ. And my friend, if the Lord is nowhere in your checkbook, then He's nowhere in your life.
And are you a part of what God, where God is leading our church? Is there something that we as a church have failed to follow through on? If you need help with that, let's meet. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I'd like to hear Paul preach. I don't like being singled out. And I'm not going to single you out. I'm not that good. But I do know this. There are things that God is calling you to do. And you have left them unfinished. You have some unfinished business with Jesus Christ. Will you do anything about it this morning? Will you? Let's pray. Father, help us to complete the work to which you have called us. Those who have not yet received you as their Savior entered a relationship with you. Lord, especially help them to complete this decision. For those who have been saved, they have invited you into their life, they know you as their Lord and Savior, help them to follow through with either joining the church, going through the waters of baptism. Lord, help us to follow through on your call on our lives. And Lord, there's not a person in this room who hasn't been called by you to something. It's not just for the preachers, the pastors, the staff members. Lord, help us to follow through with our giving. And Lord, help us as a church to follow through with the major things that you have called us to do. Help us, show us, guide us, give us clarity and courage. Give people courage right now in Jesus' name. Amen.